Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface X. And Father, as we're here in December, we're getting to that time of the year where in the business world, people start, you know, having these workshops about what are your goals for the upcoming year? What is the stuff that, that you know you want to accomplish? And I've gone through a lot of these throughout my life in sales training. It's a, it's a very good way of you know starting your program. What are we trying to get to is a better way of let's just start getting places. You know, having a map or directions doesn't hurt. So I had, like I said, I've been through these for 10 years of, of going through stuff like this. And something happened in yesterday's that was unique to me. And I think it tells something about maybe where we're at as, as a country or a society, whatever the term is there. And your typical answer when you get for people, what is your goals is I want to make a hundred thousand. Cause I've never done that before. You know, I want to add 50 new clients. I want to get into this market, you know, whatever, you know, they're all economic based answers. But for the first time ever, we, I got answers that were much more personal. It was, you know, I want to be able to have, a true steady friend in my life that's outside of the house I live in. You know, I want to make sure that after our kids go to college next year, that me and my, my spouse can still be coherent and still want to be together. And it was the first time I'd ever heard relationship type things in the sales course. And for me, I, I'm obviously very glad with that. You know, as I've discussed in many different arenas, especially whenever trying to promote Father and Joe, is the element that people think they can compartmentalize their lives and they can't. And yes, we are there to learn how to become better salespeople. That's a fact. But that doesn't take away that me as a salesperson doesn't override or change the rest of my life and that this relationship identity stuff that we build is so valuably important. And it was just such a, a right turn from the normal because, you know, everyone's been in these types of things where, oh, this is just going to be the same as any other type thing, just as I would imagine teaching a class would be. You know, by the third time you're coming around on the first you know class, this is what we talk about. It can just kind of be like, I know what it's going to be, but you get that one little comment that makes a difference how it can just resonate with you. And that's where I want to start, Father, because that was something that resonated with me. And, you know, we discussed about the relationships and the importance of using relationships to define us rather than titles or, or job positions. And I wanted to to highlight that, that that is starting to become more on the the public mind. Um, That's great news. Yeah, I think... <clears throat> Those uh, productivity goals are not bad and are certainly appropriate for a business setting. And uh, it's nice to have a numeric way to evaluate progress. Uh, the reality is even those business goals are really going to depend on relationships. I mean, you're not going to cross 100,000 or get a certain number of sales without developing relationships. Mm -hmm. And the... Uh, we want those relationships not just to be utilitarian, that I'm using you to, to make my uh, goal, but uh, that those relationships are genuinely human and that we treat 
people uh, as a, an irreducible subject, the personalistic norm of John Paul II. Every person is has an infinite value and dignity, and so the person is an end in themselves. They're never a means to an end. But it's nice to hear that uh, people in business are recognizing that other relationships in their lives are also uh, of critical importance. It's on the one hand, you know, there is a a meaningful separation of work and home life. Uh, there can be uh, an unhealthy blending of the two. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I think you know the healthiest companies are ones where there is such a level of trust that there can be more transparency, and the the boss actually cares about how the 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 wife and kids or the the husband and kids are in the home, and that those things matter. And we certainly know that all the home problems are going to come into work. I mean, unless you can really compartmentalize in probably some unhealthy ways uh, and really leave home at home, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like. I mean, if you just had a terrible fight with your spouse, it's going to, you're going to carry it into work with you. If you, mm -hmm. if your child is uh, addicted to heroin or something, you're going to carry it into work with you. And so uh, it's, it's entirely meaningful that setting goals about friendships and about peace in the home, about deepening spousal relationships, about being a better father, a better mother, that these would be great goals to bring into uh, even a business setting. And, you know, I mean, you may not have a direct influence here. You as a, uh, an employer are probably not going to do marriage counseling or uh, set, set a particular points of growth for one of your employees who is trying to grow in his relationship with his spouse. Um, although you might have some advice to offer, but at the same time, you can certainly cheer the person on. You can ask about his progress. You can encourage him that he has what it takes. Uh, you can support him and, you know, maybe even some enrichment that would help with some of those goals. Because again, when we grow as a human person, uh, one of the byproducts is going to be greater productivity. And uh, certainly uh, as we, as we bring happiness to work, because our life is fulfilling at home, that's going to make a big difference in what kind of employee employee we are, what kind of colleague and friend to other employees, how responsive we are to the employer, things like that. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's really encouraging news, and I think it says something about you that you're seeing employees who are valuing those kinds of things. That uh, you're creating an environment in which that kind of thing is welcomed. You're not shouting it down, but building it up. And certainly those are important values to you. So you're, uh, you're, I would say your employees are, are picking some of that up too. Well, that's good. Um, I, I never try to think of this as like, I'm forcing anything upon them, you know? Um, Cause I, I have been in enough environments where it has whether it be you got to think this way you got to vote this way you got to whatever this way and i i personally have the gut reaction of i just don't want to be a part of that as soon as someone starts doing that to me it doesn't really matter what it is but as soon as you start getting into this pressure controlling thing you know i'm out and it's a common tread that i found with most successful people it's, you know, at the end of the day, I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to have someone who doesn't know what they're doing tell me how to do things correctly. And it's interesting. I, I'm actually reading a, a separate book that that goes along that that line of thought 
is that originally whenever cameras like real-time GoPro cameras were invented and they could get real-time feeds from individuals to places far away, um, in the case of the U.S. Army, um, they, they had those helmet cams that would directly feed to the people back in the training facility or wherever the high command was. And ultimately, they ended up taking those away and now just use static record you can watch after the fact. And the reason they found was that individuals that were there on the ground were getting overridden constantly by someone who was only seeing part of the picture through a computer screen, essentially trying to micromanage them from half a world away. And what they found, and this being the army, is that that's not effective. It was like, well, obviously, you know, the guy on the ground, you have to trust him. And the more you can trust someone, the better, better life is. And that gets into essentially a word that we've used a lot because it goes a lot with relationships is to trust someone. There's that inherent vulnerability that we've discussed. You know, you have to accept that I might have done something differently here, but that's okay that you used your free will and reason to do them. And that's why I have always argued. And I know that to be true, the more freedom you give people, the better in the long run it ends up being there might be some shortcut hiccups now that doesn't mean like oh you just started here today do whatever you want you still need to train people i'm not trying to discount that but to give people the opportunity to say i have this idea that would work within this space let's go for it and so many managers just don't want to do that they want to become controlling entities and it's baffling to me about, you know, the whole point of getting higher and hiring more people is so you don't have to do it. You know, why are you hiring someone and then micromanaging them? Like that is a waste of everybody's time and money. Um, so the, the, the core concept baffles me, but it's still the standard. And it's, I can write books about why this is wrong, but it, it really just gets to me like, well, why, why are people so this way? I, I guess is my question. And, and it, it, sometimes it's hard for me to grasp that kind of thing when, when someone's so different, you know, it, it makes me think of the conversation with her. Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say uh, trust is hard, you know, to, yeah. uh, to really trust that someone is going to, uh, do it right, do their best. And, uh, you know, people have varying levels of responsibility. Sometimes people have such a high level of responsibility that it's really hard to let go of that and let other people make mistakes and just be ready to stand with them and help to clean up the mistakes. Uh, and so, and sometimes, you know, and certainly the you rise up the ranks of management by being really good at things and it can be hard to watch people not do things right. And so the temptation to step in and fix things, correct things uh, is the, perhaps the starting point. And then the, the oversight uh, not wanting to wait until the mistake, but stepping in and then watching closer and closer and closer and, and then just eventually doing the thing for the person. Um, you're so right, Joe. I, I feel exactly the same way. I, I hire people so that they can do the work. The last thing I want to do is do all the work with them. I, I don't begin to have time for that. 
Uh, I think it's also, I don't know, I, I certainly have found the importance of believing in people and building people up. I mean, it's, you know, it's not unrelated to parenting that you, you love your children enough that they feel loved and that they feel worthy of love and that they feel uh, good enough and that they have what it takes because dad loves me and he's with me. He's always cheering for me. Even when I do something stupid, you know, dad's right there and he's with me and he supports me. And I always know that no matter what happens, you know, I got my dad on my side. And when we feel like that, we feel uh, we're able to do so much more. And the opposite happens very quickly when we micromanage. And it's then I feel suspected. You know, dad's suspicious of me. He doesn't think I can do it right. He's hovering around to catch me making a mistake and then to step in and, and do it the right way. And then I just get defeated and discouraged. And why do I even want to do it? And so then I just abandon the project and, and let the person do it who's obviously energized to do it. And I think that dynamic can happen very easily. I'm simplifying a lot of things. I know that all of these relationships are a little bit complicated and, and managers are, you know, there's a, there's a combination of things. I've just been listening a lot to uh, about the Montessori approach to education and it's uh, related to several things, but Maria Montessori was the first female surgeon in Italy. Uh, she was completed medical school in the beginning of the 1900s and was uh, quite an accomplished woman, but became very interested in uh, the development of children. And so she ended up forming a, a school and hired some people to teach. And she just wanted to watch and learn from the children and noted uh, some planes of development that ages zero to six is what she calls the absorbent mind. And children just take in everything. But there, it's really, I want to do it uh, in that in that time frame and teaching them how to do things and then letting them do it is the critical thing. And that's going to be messy. You know, it's like mm -hmm. they're going to spill the water. You teach them how to pour things. They're going to spill the water, you know, half the time, but they're going to figure it out. They're going to clean it up. They're going to figure it out. They're going to get better at it. And they're going to feel confident that they can do things and just giving them what they need to keep learning and to, to keep doing things and then empowering their freedom to make choices. And anyway, there's a whole fascinating level of development. The second developmental plane from six to 12 is uh, a lot more consolidation, the beginning of the use of reason. They're able to make more judgments and, uh, and then, you know, uh, form in a different way. The next plane of development 12 to 18 is sort of like a second childhood as they're getting birthed into adulthood. And then again, they need a lot of opportunity to try it and to do it and to learn it and to not be micromanaged, to be supported and to have the, uh, the adult there to, you know, to help uh, as needed, but you know, basically to try to practice being adults and to try it out. And then 18 to 24 is another consolidation plane of development. Anyway, I, I think it, employees are a similar kind of thing. You know, when they come into a workspace, they've got to absorb a lot of stuff and you have to expose them to things. You teach them how to do things. You give them a chance to do it. You might have to show them uh, once more, once more, and then you want them to be free to, to do it and figure it out and to make good choices and to be as, as much a, a kind of partial owner to really take 
personal responsibility for the uh, the job, the project, the the company as possible. Absolutely. And all of those things you said that there was a couple thoughts that I had there. It is really hard to give someone the desire to go out and accomplish things like, but it is also really easy to kill it. And that is um, an unfortunate fact of life. You know, you, you can wear people down saying like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I was on someone else's show and he told me that according to research studies that 90% of the people quit the environment rather than the job. And the way they measure this is, do you go back to basically do the same job just somewhere else um, or are you completely switching industries altogether? And the majority of people just, it's because the people around them, which essentially comes down to culture which is a sum of relationships and as you were you were going through and saying that we can get into spots where we're not sure where the problem went wrong um you know in the example you just gave there of teaching people to go through things and they're going to mess it up well in your example you want them to pour the water correctly and do things right and i'm the same way you know you spill it you, you go and clean it up well at least in my world, now granted, he's a one-year-old, he thinks the cleaning it up is the fun part uh, rather than the pouring it correctly. So what do we do? We get water all over the place and he loves just wiping everything up, which on the one hand, good, uh, success, but it, it's almost, it, not almost, it is the exact opposite of what the intended goal was. And you really hit the nail on the head about how to make it work. You, you give people the freedom and if possible or appropriate, rather, ownership of it. You know, if, if you're going to be doing this much of the sales entity, and sales is obviously the most important part of any business, we're going to compensate you that you might be the highest paid person in the room if you perform. And then all of a sudden, people who are motivated for achievement, money, accolades, it's just now a competition and this is just the scoreboard and it's nice that the scoreboard is cashable. Um, but it, it, it's important to know what, what drives people. And before we were starting the day, you know, obviously both of us are accomplished in our various fields. Um, in fact, we don't talk about how accomplished you are. You're essentially a world-class expert um, on prayer that is above and beyond basically anyone else I think I've ever talked to and we don't bring it up enough, nearly enough. And, um, but our personalities are so different. You know, I was telling you about how I'm starting a new project about how I basically cannot stomach something that would probably take someone who knew what they were doing 30 minutes. And because it frustrates me, it, it upsets me and I just don't want to do it. It's been taking three weeks, which actually just compounds the problem because it's just sitting in the back of my mind that I got to figure out how to do this. But it's all building a website from scratch and jargon that I have no idea. So now I'm Googling things and YouTubing things that if someone with a little bit of competence would just know all this stuff. Basically, it's probably website 101 type stuff that is just too big of a hurdle for me. And for me, I just basically want to throw up and burn the internet down. Um, and for someone who's gone through computer engineering, they're like, oh, this is nothing. Boom, boom, boom. Three seconds later. <laughs> and... Um, 
And, and I say that because obviously two different personality types, two different desires to have, but any personality type can get to success. You know, you don't have to be just this way or this archetype. You have to have a knowledge base, a desire to want to do it. And the desire, you know, really comes from, do I want to be here? I mean, it's a starting point. I mean, that's like bare minimum stuff. Do I want to be here? And, you know, working out that, that's really a relationship question the majority of the time. So those are, those are thoughts that I've had going through my mind about, you know, business and life as we're entering the new year. And it's just that time to think about stuff. Mm-hmm. No, it's great thoughts. I really, uh, really appreciate that. What you said about how hard it can be to inspire and motivate, how easy it can be to to squelch and uh, destroy. It's, uh, I suppose, a general easier to tear a house down than to build one up, right? So, mm-hmm. thinking in those terms, and 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 I think it's you know I used the analogy already between employment, leadership, and fatherhood or motherhood, and so much of it is is learning how to build people up and then giving them you know some teaching and some tasks that they can accomplish and then celebrating those things but when we can bring out the best in people it was sort of the departure point from our last conversation was there are a lot of people who are functioning at pretty low levels uh, of motivation low levels of confidence who end up self-sabotaging who are not doing it because they're bad people they're not lazy they're not uh, malicious. They're not just trying to cheat people. They just are crushed in so many ways. And bringing about the healing to believe in people, which happens primarily through love and relationship, through connections, you know, that's it's hard work. And then we've got to persevere with people. And, and then to see the transformations take place is just incredible. I mentioned the book uh, Tattoos on the Heart, Father Gregory Boyle, who works with uh, inner city gang members in LA and uh, over the past several decades, 30, 40 years, has just helped so many young men and women out of those uh, terrible gang situations, giving them employment, helping them to reconcile with rival gang members, uh, helping them to have families and and to begin a new life. And that's, a, that's an extreme example, you know, uh, but it's uh, really hard work and, and really uh, meaningful work that's uh, that's possible. So at a lesser level, you know, knowing that not everybody is as uh, damaged, shall we say, traumatized as gang members who are in a whole mess of a situation. But uh, a lot of people, a lot of people from childhood wounds, from uh, growing up in poverty, from having uh, bad, a lot of bad environments. Uh, have a lot of struggles and creating a good environment, believing in people, persevering with them, having some patience and mercy and uh, teaching, helping, inspiring, celebrating. Uh, it's amazing. I think a lot of people can be a lot better if uh, if we take that sort of approach to them. And I've been thinking about that specific issue. Um, I guess this is more outside of business context now, more of a society thought that I've had at it is, so much of of this is habitual. Um, and I, I know I brought up in that last episode that they even talked about this in the Bible. And the way that they did was 
the argument that we're not argument, the statement that is this person sinned because of his father's sins. And we've discussed so many times about the recidivism through the generations. If you are used to being beaten as a kid and seeing your mother get beaten, you are likely to become the beater when you grow up. It's, it's just a fact. And where I've been trying to, to figure this out is, is the way it actually plays out in, in life is that those type of angry and hyper-aggressive adolescents, the teenagers tend to end up roaming together. And the people that don't want to deal with that separate themselves out. And it almost ends up being that at least the way that, that I'm looking at it and trying to be as objective as possible, that people self put themselves in those similar groups because that's what they can relate to. And that's what they're related with. And to try to jump from one group to another can be difficult. If, not right impossible to be able to figure out how to relate and how to bring that much of compassion, be able to relatability and be authentic. You know, there's a lot of times that that comes across as just someone trying to virtue signal and they don't really know what they're doing. They just want to get a photo op and move on, Uh, but they don't really care about solving the core problem that has gotten there. And I, I look at this from a, from a society standpoint of, aside from the answer of being a better parent, I don't know how you could implement something like this in a scale where it actually would fix the problem. Um, because at least as Americans, we don't really allow judging of the way you are a parent. Um, you know, you, you just, you're in your own house, do whatever you want. Um, in some regards, I, I, I totally agree with that mentality, but this is also an inevitable byproduct that people that are broken end up finding other broken people so that they can keep their ways of being, being this way. So the people that are the ones who are more prone to beat their children, beat their wives inherently end up finding people that are more willing to accept that. And then by default, you have another generation built while the segment of the population that would never find that acceptable goes off and does their own thing because they don't want to deal with that. And again, I I don't know how you fix that problem um, because it gets into some of the self-selection stuff we talked about. You know, that guy's not going to show up to a parenting seminar. It's going to be the guy who already is trying to make himself better and recognizes that he wants to have better. So you're going to get people from the group that aren't in the wife beater category. And it, it's, it's really a, a, a tough problem that I have been trying to put thought into, like what could actually be done about this? W- what is a pathway that could work that could be universally acceptable? Because while an individual saint can do a lot of greatness, as you've referenced with the father there, um, most people are never going to put that kind of ability in, let alone even have it. Um, so how can we make it more palatable for the commoners without a better way of figuring out how to say that? That that's that's what's been trying to to figure out on my side of the fence here, Father. That sounds like another episode. 
I think it's going to have to be, as, as I'm looking at the time clock here, we're here at the end of the episode here. So with that said, you just heard the preview of what will be uh, next week's episode. We thank you guys all for enjoying us and sharing us. We do grow by you guys sharing us, and we will be with you again here next week.